Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast this is the next generation of talk now this is the drive at 5 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli Biden started talking about climate change at the border. That's how he opened his speech. And I thought I was talking over it, but my mic was accidentally off. My bad. But, well, we got some great audio for you. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. So the dueling border visits right now between hopefully the future president, Donald Trump, and hopefully the former president, soon to be Joe Biden. Uh, Trump started talking about Lake and Riley, the young woman who was murdered by an illegal immigrant. And Joe Biden started talking about wildfires and then calling people that disagree with him on climate change Neanderthals. And then Biden went on about talking about how to make asylum claims easier to adjudicate. In other words, to give people more of an incentive to come to this country because they'll get a process for asylum claims faster. But again, asylum claims are something that you deal with at legal ports of entry. People who are crossing the border illegally right now, that is the crisis. That is what the conversation needs to be about. And then Biden kept bringing up the border bill, which is a Ukraine bill. I've told you this. It's a Ukraine funding bill. And Trump said it. He said this is a Joe Biden invasion. And you could hear the contrast in these two. First of all, Biden can barely read the teleprompter. Trump is obviously very fired up about this. Biden has no energy on this. But he also lies and says he needs executive order. Biden lies and says he needs executive authority to be able to shut down the border. He's got it all. Look, I put... I played you the clip of um, the flashback from Mayorkas, but this is a good time to refresh your memory. Mayorkas in 2021 bragging about all of the immigration policies they rescinded by executive order. This was in 2021, September. This is only a few months after they got into the White House and they started undoing all the things that Trump did, like remain in Mexico, for example, to actually keep the border secure. Cut number three. And I'd like to understand from you what Trump-era immigration policies have been banned, ended, 
reversed and if any investigations are underway by you? Uh, so we have rescinded so many uh, Trump immigration policies. It would take so much time to list them. Bragging about it. Bragging about it. Trump also called uh, Gavin Newsom new scum, a new nickname for Gavin Newsom today, which I like new scum. Um, but Biden's speech was just riddled with with uh, with nonsense. The, the 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 border bill. Let's just be clear here. The border bill is a Ukraine funding bill disguised as a border bill, and it deals with the immigration system. It does not deal with the southern border. Now, we talked about getting the getting more border patrol agents and everything else and all of that stuff and all that's fine. But that that doesn't deal with the situation that you need to be able to allow the Border Patrol agents to be able to do their job and they're not able to do their job. That's the bottom line. Biden's not at an immigration hotspot. Governor Greg Abbott said that Biden was at a it was a fugazi. Basically, it was a press photo op. It was not even an actual place where people are crossing illegally. Trump was at the center of the action in Eagle Pass, looking at the razor wire that the Biden administration is trying to rip down and trying to take down. And just to also refresh your memory, Matt, I just sent you the clip. Trump said walls work, and he talked about that. And this is what he said today as he spoke a short time ago. We ended catch and release. We built 571 miles of border wall, much more than I promised I'd build. And in addition, we purchased another 200 miles, and they sold that, much of it for five cents on the dollar. And it's the best wall, the same wall that you're using, because the governor's now building a lot of wall also. And it works. Walls work. Walls and wheels, I always said. It's one thing never gets obsolete, a wall and a wheel. Everything else is obsolete about two weeks after you come up with it. And we got Mexico to give us 28,000 soldiers. We ended catching. Now, here is uh, just a flashback for you, the vampiric one, back when she was Speaker of the House, okay? Just show you the contrast between Republicans and Democrats in this day and age right now. This was the vampiric one a couple years ago. Can you pot up my, uh, Sean, can you pot up the, um, the soundboard for me, the, the audio board, um, so I can play a clip here on this, see if we can do that. Does anybody have any doubt? There we go. We're not doing a wall. Does anybody have any doubt that we're not doing a wall? One more time. We're not doing a wall. Does anybody have any doubt that we're not doing a wall? The fangs were out that day. The fangs were out and some poor intern's virgin blood was, well, there's no virgins in D.C. Who am I kidding? But some poor intern's blood became a refreshing drink for the vampiric one that afternoon. Uh, This is the contrast. Now, Biden is trying to make it easier to get asylum claims heard when all you got to do is just just keep them remain in Mexico. That's it. There you go. Remain in Mexico. Your job's done. But Biden is talking about the immigration system. Trump is talking about the border. These are two separate things. Yes, the border is part of the immigration system, as when we're talking about a legal port of entry. But that's not what we're talking about when we talk about the crisis. The crisis is those people who are crossing illegally, not at a legal port of entry. And Biden spent time talking about updating their facilities and upgrading their equipment. And I mean, all that's fine, but that's not the problem. That's not the issue. The issue is all the people who are sneaking in. And to that end, the Biden administration is telling Texas, take down the razor wire and take the buoys out of the Rio Grande. Greg Abbott said, no, we're not doing that. And they're still fighting them in court over this. But Greg Abbott said, we're going to do more of it. But here's a good contrast. And Colin Rugg put this together. Do you understand the, 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 the difference between these two speeches here? And Biden begins by talking about wildfires and insulting people by calling them Neanderthals. Trump begins by talking about 
Lake and Riley, the young woman who was killed, murdered by an illegal immigrant. Oh, I mean, you know, he's he's accused of the crime. He's not been found guilty yet, but he's been found guilty of other things and should have been deported a long time ago. Uh, take a listen to this contrast. Go ahead. The idea there's no such thing as climate change. I love that, man. I love some of my Neanderthal friends uh, who still think there's no climate change. Well, my administration is going to keep building on the progress we've made fighting climate crisis, and we're going to keep help folks rebuild themselves. Just one week ago, a beautiful 22-year-old nursing student from Georgia was barbarically attacked, almost unrecognizable, while she was out on her morning run. She was a morning run. She was doing a keep herself in shape. She was a beautiful young woman. She was a great person, best nursing student there was. I spoke to her parents yesterday. They're incredible people. They're devastated beyond beyond belief. But she was beautiful, just so beautiful in so many ways and brutally assaulted, horrifically beaten, kidnapped and savagely murdered. The monster that charged uh, charged in the death is an illegal alien migrant who was led into our country and released into our communities by crooked Joe Biden. He's crooked. I took the name away from Hillary. You you could not be more of a contrast there between the the two speeches. And even though I thought I was talking over Biden, um, everything that he talks about with that bipartisan border bill is it's Ukraine funding. That's what it is. And they need to take Ukraine funding out of it, actually debate the border, actually have a conversation about the border, not the immigration system. But again, this is the scam. This is the scam. Okay, so this is this is the uh, this is the game. The game is, hey, uh, I'm a. you know, I'm a guy running for Congress and I'm in a Republican district and I want to keep funding Ukraine. So I need to go home and tell everybody I, I did. I did the border and I, I, I didn't have a choice. I had to go with Ukraine funding because it was in the border bill. The border bill does nothing to secure the border. And it's everything about Ukraine. And it's just to give cover for these establishment hacks in Washington, D.C. That's the bottom line. That's what it is. Tell. I mean, that's that's the truth right there. And I'm glad that this has become such a big issue, but it, it shows you how it's it's. The issue is now everywhere. And I told you earlier in the show, the Lancaster City Council passed an amendment, passed a resolution last night saying they're not going to cooperate with ICE anymore. They're not going to help ICE. They're not going to uh, listen to any detainer requests. They're not going to they're, they're going to be a sanctuary city. Lancaster City, Pennsylvania. And we'll talk to Dave McCormick about that tomorrow. He's, of course, running for the U.S. Senate. This is the big story of the day today, though, brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Go see him today for your perfect smile. V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. The left is terrified of Trump. They're so worried about him. And they really are terrified that he's going to win. And they know he's going to win. And that's what really scares the hell out of them. But there's something that was revealed yesterday. Joe Biden has confirmed officially, after years of denials, what we've all known, Joe was the big guy in the $5 million China deal. At long last, this New York Post here, at long last, the first son, Hunter Biden, affirmed during his Wednesday impeachment inquiry deposition that his father, Joe, was the big guy referenced in an email about a business deal with a Chinese state-linked energy firm that yielded millions for Biden family members and other associates. This, is, this comes after three years after the New York Post broke the story. But, but Hunter Biden finally acknowledged it yesterday. Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia said, quote, at one point we asked Hunter about the 10 percent for the big guy. And she said, we showed him the email and he said, oh, that was after my father left office. 
That was after my father left office. That statement represents the first time Hunter Biden has admitted that his former business partner, James Gilear, was referring to Joe Biden when he raised the prospect on May 13th, 2017, of the first son holding a 10% stake in the lucrative joint venture involving CEFC China Energy for the big guy. The email found in Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop was first reported by The Post in October of 2020. As part of a bombshell series of reporting. But again, you were told at the time that the laptop had all the earmarks of Russian disinformation and you weren't supposed to believe any of it. The New York Post was silenced and censored and the national security state did their thing, orchestrated with the help of the CIA and the Biden campaign. And then 50 former national intelligence hacks who were all on the payroll of the swamp or the corporate media or big tech. They all came out and said that. And then the New York Post was silenced on social media. You couldn't share the story. You couldn't talk about it. What's wrong with having a pie in the sky idea? Hunter reportedly said in response to the line of questioning, noting that he assumed his father was done withholding public office in 2017 after eight years as Barack Obama's vice president. The New York Post cover today is Biden China deal. Business partner confirms Hunter emails are legit. This is the the cop. I'm sorry. That's the cover from October of 2020 says he worked with big guy Joe to solicit millions from the Chinese in 2017. And now we know that, yes, Joe Biden was the big guy. Green added that the first son stressed there was no percentage for my father in the business, which is sourced with direct knowledge of the deposition previously confirmed to the post. That source said Hunter Biden told investigators that Gilear was out of his mind for even suggesting Joe Biden got involved in their joint venture. The president lashed out at a Post reporter in June of 2023 when pressed about being reportedly referred to as the big guy. Why do you ask such a dumb question? Biden shot back when he was asked that question. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer described the deal involving the Chinese energy company as money laundering when speaking with reporters. We have a little bit of uh, James Comer here. He went on with uh, Hannity last night on Fox News and talked about the next phase of the impeachment inquiry and the questions that still remain about the big guy and all the money. Here's cut number eight. Well, I thought it was a very good deposition for us. Uh, We were able to confirm a lot of the wrongdoings uh, through Hunter Biden's testimony. Uh, There are many financial crimes that we believe have committed that were committed by the Biden family. Uh, Hunter was asked about specific transactions with specific LLCs that many of whom that I've uh, referred to as shell companies. Uh, We got his answer on the record and we're going to go back and and, uh, verify many of those things. But what we also learned today, Sean, was that a lot of what Hunter said was contradictory to what three of at least three of his former associates said. So I think the next phase now is to bring Hunter in for a public hearing and hear from the other Biden associates. And let's determine then who the American people think are telling the truth, because we've got the bank records. Bank records don't lie. We know the Bidens have taken in tens of millions of dollars from our adversaries around the world. And we still don't know after all these depositions, after all the hours of testimony from the Biden family, exactly what the Biden family did to earn the $30 million from our enemies around the world. Yeah, we don't know exactly right. We don't know. But what we do know, though, is that Joe Biden is the big guy. So now we know. You know, I'm so annoyed by this speech. And Matt, see if you can grab that clip for me. It might be on Gravian now of uh, Biden talking about the asylum claims. Let's understand something as he's talking about more judges and all that. That's all fine. You want to have conversations about more judges. You want to have conversations about 
uh, upgrading the facilities of the ports of entry. You want to have conversations about more screening to detect fentanyl? That's all great. Wonderful. Have them. Have those conversations. But that's not the issue at hand. The issue at hand right now is not the broken immigration system. Let's understand that. I'm so tired of the, of the, the, the language that is used to manipulate people. And listen, I get it because I've been in politics for a long time. You know, I was not a DJ. I was not playing FM. I'm not putting down people that were in music, but I started in politics and I made the jump into talk radio. And and I'm glad I did because I, I know how this game works. And what they do is it's they, they spin words on purpose, like spinning records, but with words. And so they say we got to fix our broken border, our broken border system, our broken immigration system. But they don't mean border security, these people. Look, immigration judges, yeah, sure, get more of them. Great. Speed up the hearings and speed up the claims and all that. But I'm telling you right now what that's going to do. That's going to give people an incentive to come to this country illegally or legally. Either way, if you know that in six months you might have your asylum claim heard and then you'd be able to stay. Because let's face it, Joe Biden, despite the lie that he said we've made it harder for you to make an asylum claim, that's a lie. They made it easier now. You can use climate change as an asylum claim, and there's no way to refuse that because otherwise you're a Neanderthal. Just think about that for a moment. Biden said today during his speech, we want it so that six months you could be before an immigration judge. Biden's argument is these people are paying $8,000 to the cartels to smuggle them in. And he goes, well, if they know that in six months they could be turned back, they wouldn't pay that money. How about on day one, if they're turned back, they wouldn't pay that money. If day one, they were turned back. How about that? There's a question. And you turn around and say, sorry, you got to come through a legal port of entry and file an asylum claim. Then you got to remain in Mexico until the asylum claim is heard. But if you have it so that in six months, the judge will hear that asylum claim, that's going to incentivize more people to come to this country because anything now can be used for asylum, including climate change, without which Alejandro Mayorkas has said is the number one existential reason why people are coming into this country illegally. They're fleeing climate change. And then Biden goes on to say, if you don't believe in climate change, you're a Neanderthal. So what's going to happen when a guy goes before an immigration judge and says, Your Honor, I'm seeking asylum here because the bottom line is that my country is being torn apart because of climate change. Is the judge going to say no? The issue is the people who are coming into this country illegally. And to that end, what is the Biden administration doing? Suing Texas to take down razor wire. Suing Texas to take the buoys out of the river. This is Biden talking about expediting asylum claims. Take a listen. We also need more immigration judges to help handle the backlog. There are two million cases. Backlog of two million cases. This bipartisan would provide funding for 100 more immigration judges immediately. It would also establish new efficient and fair process for the government to consider asylum claims for those arriving on our border. Today, the process to get a decision on an asylum claim takes five to seven years. Now, you all know it down here, but the people around the country don't understand it. It's far too long. You come in, you say, you say I have a credible fear, and, and we've changed that standard to make it hard. We want to change, make it harder. No, you don't. And what happens? No, you don't. You say, well, okay, you can come in the country, but come back in five to seven years, maybe as many as eight years, and you'll get a hearing from before a judge to determine whether you can stay. This will encourage more people. This encourages more people to come to the country. No, it doesn't. By the first, they got another five, seven, eight years. Before they're not they going to, to the judge. You, that's because the point. They they- Hang on a second here. They're not going to see the judge. They're getting their little court paper and then they're disappearing. 
and they disappear into the wild. They're not, go- they're not waiting seven years to see a judge. They're not going before a judge. The people that are going before judges are trying to go through the system legally. That You're talking about two separate things. Biden is equating two separate things. On February 2nd, 2021, via executive order, Joe Biden got rid of numerous Trump policies that had helped establish order at the border. Number one, he terminated Trump's expansion of expedited removal. Number two and three, most importantly, it went after two of the pillars of Trump's success at the border. The migrant protection protocols or so-called remain in Mexico. And the safe third country agreements with the northern triangle countries that allowed the United States to divert asylum seekers to Central American countries other than their own, where they could then make asylum claims. So what we're talking about here is Joe Biden gets in the White House and says, we're going to end the wall. We're going to end remain in Mexico. We're going to end the expedited removal of people. We're going to stop deportations. And we're, and we're going to just let people come and we're going to get rid of razor wire and we're going to get rid of the buoys in the river and we're going to do all those things. That's what Joe Biden did. Those are all the things, some of the things Joe Biden did. There's more, but we don't have time to get into it, as Alejandro Mayorkas said. They were so proud of undoing all that Trump did on the border. They were so proud of that fact. And now we got to listen to these lies. Now, the media is freaking out over the potential Trump trial delay. And the Daily Caller has an excellent piece on this that the Supreme Court is not actually slowing down and doing Trump a favor, despite what the media says. But they are freaking out about this, obviously, as you can imagine. Here is uh, Rachel Maddow freaking out. You, you, you got it. This is, this is absolutely amazing here. Trump will never leave. Trump will never leave office. He'll just stay there forever. And he'll be a dictator for life. And he'll never leave. And that's the way it's going to be. Cut number five. Now, if you think about the, the court as the Supreme Court of the United States and a rational actor and a decent one, that was a reasonable supposition. And it just turns out they're not that. Um, feel, you know, incremental bit of progress here. The important question here is not whether the Supreme Court is going to decide that Donald Trump and all presidents are immune from prosecution for things they commit, crimes they committed while they were president. I mean, it would be fully insane for them to actually side with Trump here, right? The conclusion that we can arrive at now based on what they have done without having to wait for the ruling is that they are ensuring that Trump will not face trial. And when they inevitably rule that presidents aren't immune from prosecution after they leave office, what that will tell Donald Trump, if by then he is president, is that he can never leave the office of the presidency. And if he is voted out in 2028, he cannot leave office and he is willing to com- he, is, he is welcome to commit any crimes he wants to as long as he is still president in order to ignore the result of that election and stay in power for life, because otherwise he's going to go to prison when he gets out. See, he'll stay for life. He'll just stay. He'll chain himself to the White House, to the resolute desk, and he'll never leave president for life. He'll declare himself president for life because in our system, that's how it works. You just declare yourself president for life. Here's my question to genius Rachel Maddow. Why didn't he do it last time? Why did he leave in 2021? Why didn't he just stay? Why did he leave? Why didn't he just stay at the way? He's already president. But I watched. You watched. I was in mornings. We watched as he boarded uh, the Marine One for the final time as president to fly to Andrews Air Force Base, to get onto Air Force One for the final time as president, to fly down to Mar-a-Lago. Why did he leave the White House? Why didn't he just change the locks? I got a guy. 
Call McCall's and lock service. Have them change the locks. He should have done that. McCall's going to come and change all the locks. And that would have been like, you know, the Secret Service would have been trying to open the doors to let Biden in. But excuse me, excuse me, change the locks. You don't have the right key. You can't get in. And unless you're in the White House, you're not president. Did you know that? Unless you're physically in the White House, you're not president of the United States. Did you know that? <laughs> you didn't know that. That's news to me. You, you have to physically be in the White House. So as long as you never leave the White House, you're president forever. <laughs> you didn't know that? I had no idea. You've you. got to read the Constitution, man. It's in there. <laughs> it's very clear. 25th Amendment. It's Section 18XB 7.2. It says, and I quote, paraphrasing the Constitution, you have two terms as president unless you just don't leave the White House, in which case then the new president can't become president yet because you're still in the White House. <laughs> you understand? Uh, you know what? I do remember that in some of my Gov classes. And yeah, Gov yeah. 101, it's like what Gov 101, man, come on. That's on me. I apologize. It's an obscure point of the 25th Amendment. As long as you don't leave the physical building. In fact, there, do you remember that one time... I forget the president. He walked out like a couple feet and went, just kidding. And he ran back in. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, it was Grover Cleveland. Grover right? Cleveland. Yeah. Thank you. I, the, the, it escaped me for a moment. Grover Cleveland. He started to walk out the White House. He was like, I'm just kidding. And he walked right back in. See, if you don't leave, they can't get rid of you. You're president for life. Now, you can never leave. That's the only downside. You can't ever leave. You can't like go shopping. Can't go see friends. Everybody has to come to you. But still, you're president, you know what I mean, until you die. As long as you don't leave the – if you leave the building, however, you vacated the office of the presidency. It's the White House that makes you president. <laughs> what? Everybody knows that. Everybody knows it's the building that makes you the president. So as long – so this is the thing. So Joe Biden would be – let's say let's say hypothetically it's 2024. And uh, 2025, it's January, and say Biden wins again. And he's up there. They Now they found a way to, like, you know, um, well, it's basically an animatronic robot from the Hall of Presidents at Disney that they've just put up there. Takes the oath of office now. And, no, it'd have to be a different scenario. It'd have to be 2020. When would Trump's term end? It would be 2028. So it'd be January of 29. Let's say, I don't know, whoever's president, whoever wins the election at that point, let's say it's Trump's vice president. Let's say it's Christy Noem, first woman president. She's there and she takes the oath of office. She's now the president. And the Secret Service now, they do the parade from Congress to the White House and they get to the White House. And it's like like the agents are trying to open the gate. You know what I mean? And the gate's jiggling, Matt, and they can't get it open. Like, what's up? What's going on here? Like, oh, yeah, Trump's not leaving. What do you mean he's not leaving? Yeah, no, he, they, while, you, while you guys were at the inauguration, he changed all the locks. What? Yeah, no, no, he's not leaving. And then you got the president, the, the president of the United States right there just took the oath of office as per the Constitution is standing there outside the White House, like on the street, like a bum. And they're like, yeah, there's nothing we can do. The president's like, wait, what do you mean there's nothing you can do? It's my I'm the president now. Like, get get him out. Nope, I, we don't have the key. We don't have the pat. He, he, it's a smart lock. It's one of those smart locks. And we don't know the, the digits. We tried everything. We tried his birthday. We tried Melania's birthday. <laughs> We try. We even tried January 6, 2021, just as a gag. And, oh, and that worked. Look, oh, and now and the lock's open, and now the new president can go in. That's how the transition would work. 
Don't you understand that? I have a question. Yes. Christy Nome gets sworn in. Yeah. Well, let's say Trump has, I don't know, chained himself to uh, something in the Lincoln bedroom. Right. He won't get out. Now you've got two presidents in the White House. Oh. How does that work? That's a great point. So then what you do, what, this is an excellent point. So then what you do is whoever the president is in the Lincoln bedroom wins. <laughs> That's how that works. Like the, like the new president could be in the Oval Office or be in the Situation Room. But as long as the other president is in the Lincoln bedroom, he's still president. That's the, you don't know how that works. Uh, thank you for clarifying. Again, that's in the uh, uh, the twenty amendment, I think, to the Constitution. I think Amendment Thirty Two, the Thirty Second Amendment. I forget. And then here's here's also how this works. So the president of the United States now takes the oath of office. Now has the full national command authority, um, but the nuclear codes won't work for that president because the other president still has the nuclear codes and they're not digital. They're literally cards, like actual cards. <laughs> and until they get those physical cards back, the new president. So let's say it's now January 26th, 2029. And we know of an imminent nuclear strike. The new president has just taken the oath of office and we know the nukes are coming. And the president now, the new president turns to the defense secretary and says, I need you to order a counterstrike. And like, um, this is awkward. So we actually don't have a digital nuclear code. It's a physical code. They're on cards, like playing cards. And, well, where are they? Well, Trump still has them at the White House. <laughs> and he won't give them back to us. So you mean I can't launch a nuclear counterstrike? Ah, I'm sorry. No. Well, go get him. Well, we tried, but he locked all the doors. And we can't get in. And he's uh, shooting us with, with water guns. <laughs> what? Yeah, no, he and the kids, are, they're, all, they're all shooting us with water guns. Every time we try to go near the place. And he finally got that moat with alligators, radioactive alligators. Well, you, well, we were doing the inauguration. So this is awkward. He actually built a moat with alligators around the White House. <laughs> so we can't even get in. See, the National Command Authority doesn't go with the president. You have to be in the White House to be able to be the commander in chief at that moment. You didn't know that? Uh, it makes sense to me. Thank you. Yeah. Unless you're in the situation room, you can't call the shots. Even though you've taken the oath of office, you have the National Command Authority, and the law says you are in charge, you have to physically be in the Situation Room, or otherwise people just don't listen to you. Like, ah, like for example, if you were in the White House mess, which is the, the dining area right outside of a sit room, and you were in there, and then you said, all right, we got to go attack a country. They were like, ah, nanny, 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 boo, boo, I'm not listening to you. But then if you walk a few feet over into the sit room, then they go, they salute you and they go, yes, sir. And then they, then they attack. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> Who do the alligators report to? The ones from the moat? Well, obviously, the, whoever's in the White okay. House, because I, that is the alligator keeper, in addition to being the president. I thought there was an alligator amendment, but I, yeah, you might be right. Well, no, no, no. So, the, so there's another. It's the alligator czar. It's an oh, obscure sorry. post <laughs> that the president appoints that that person keeps out anyone from trying to get in. Also, I don't know if you know this or not, but the, but the Secret Service can't even move the new president in the cars because the cars require the thumbprint of Trump in order to start. Did you know that? I, I did not know yep. that. So unless he puts his thumb, they can't start the cars. So literally what you're going to have is you're going to have a new president just sitting there, like waiting outside the White House in an SUV. I don't know, having a smoke. What do they do? Smoke, like, you know, chill out, like hang out. I'll tell you what. Wait till it, he dies, I guess. If it wasn't for you and Rachel Maddow, I wouldn't have known any of this. I'm here to educate. And my new movie, 
um, is going to be about how you break the president into the White House to become president. So this is going to be my other summer blockbuster. This is going to be a great movie. Sean, this is going to make us a lot of money, all right? I love it. I think it's a great idea. So the Secret Service has to sneak the new president into the White House using the tunnel that Kennedy used to, used to sneak his gumads in. And they're going <laughs> to sneak the new president in through the tunnel. The, the, the outgoing president, though, has sealed off the door. And now the, the so the new president and then and then what happens is they the new president and the old president have to have a, a duel like they did with Hamilton and Aaron Burr <laughs> in the tunnel to see who can survive to actually be the president. Will that be on C-SPAN? Because I would like to watch. No, it's my movie. I oh, oh, sorry. I thought this was how they actually sort things out. I'm getting lost between <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these amendments that you've created and the, and the film that you're working on. I need a good name for the movie, though. What's a good name for it? I don't know. Like we have from Escape from Georgia when the Secret Service goes in to, to get the president to rescue him from a Georgia jail. Yeah. Escape from Georgia Penal Edition. <laughs> penal. No, nothing to do with Nathan Wade and Fawny Willis or Fawny's Fanny, but Ugh. but what what do we what's the name of my movie where we have to break the new president into the White House to become president? What do we call that? There was that movie White House Down. How about White House Up? Oh, we could get Blue Chew to sponsor it. They're trying to help Nick Kale out right there. Gerard Butler was in that film. He I was in that correctly. movie. Well, in this version, now they got to break the president in to become president. And then it's like the pre- like we get like slow motion, like the new president's running towards the resolute desk and the old president like jumps out and like tries to tackle and they're tackling. But whoever touches the desk, like the president, the new president has to touch the desk to be president. You know what I mean? <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> musical chairs. <laughs> right. And there's like a big fight and they fight. And then finally, at the very, very end, you see you see the new president's hand emerge. And slowly and then touches the desk. And it's like the big like the orchestra music comes and it's like. Ah, and then the old president goes, fine, I'll go back to Florida, screw this, and then leave, Then leaves the White House. <laughs> but it's a lot of work to get the new president into the building to actually become the president. Because you know the Constitution is very clear, Article 2, Matt. The <laughs> <laughs> president has to take the oath of office and fight like hell to get into the White House. I forgot that was in Article 2. Well, you forget that we had the White House when Article 2 was ratified. And don't you remember the first president to ever live in the White House? A lot of people think that it was John Adams, and that's true. But the only reason why is because George Washington actually did not want to leave, but he couldn't. They tricked him into going to a different house that was white. And John Adams snuck into the White House and so became that, president. That's why he didn't uh, have a third term. That's, th- thank you. Oh, now, all, see, this sense. is history you're learning here. Huh, and right. you remember how Jefferson ultimately became president. And def- a lot of people think he, he defeated his, you know, John Adams because Jefferson was the president, uh, was the vice president at the time. And that's true. But he tricked John Adams into going to a bakery in Washington. And then when John Adams was out, Jefferson snuck in. True, no doubt. True story. See, when they ratified Article 2, a lot of people think, well, clearly it was not about a physical building since they didn't have the White House built. Uh, Wrong. Sorry. It was built. It was just they didn't want anyone to know about it yet because anybody could have walked in and been president at that moment. Did you know that? I do now. Now you know. This is why on the White House tour, my suggestion to you, this is a little pro tip. You ever take the White House tour? 
Unfortunately, yeah. not. Never did. I didn't Sean, get a how about you? To you ever... one when I was in school, I was almost invited to go to one, but I didn't make oh, it. You got to go at least. Well, here's my pro tip, and okay, and and I've done this, and you should do it too. When you're on the White House tour, sneak out, off the tour. That's like a terrible <laughs> idea. No, Sounds like a real this dangerous is, idea. Listen, you guys don't you, you sneak. You're gonna have to fight the Secret Service, but if you <laughs> fight make the it, Secret Service, wow. but if but but if you make it into the Oval Office, you're president. Sound like a 007 movie. But you become the president if you get into the Oval Office. <laughs> and then at that point, they all turn around, and now you're the boss. You see, you were just merely on the tour five minutes ago. Got it? <laughs> That's how Rutherford B. Hayes actually became president. Little known fact. Yeah, he was on a White House tour. Yeah, he was just a schmuck who was just on a tour and then <laughs> walked into the Oval Office. And it's also awkward, too, because a lot of people don't realize that it is the Oval Office that makes you president. And that's also in Article 2, even though the Oval Office wasn't built for, you know, a couple hundred years after that. But nevertheless, that's how you become president. I hope this has helped. <laughs> I hope this has made everything clear for everybody. Uh, I, you know, I've never been more certain uh, on how the U.S. government functions. Like, this is eye-opening no problem it's the least i can do it's like a lecture from a, an elite university you have all gone to the zioli school of advanced politics and advanced political theory you're welcome <laughs> you're welcome courtesy of the grand hotel of cape may new jersey my happy place where i've learned so much especially when the chef david mills brings me a beautiful bourbon and i really start going about my knowledge of american history uh, but the Grand Hotel, my happy place. Go see them. Make your plans. They have a wonderful spring break special going on for the kids right now as well at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. All right. We are way behind because I went way too long here with my American history lesson, but that's okay. We'll take a quick break and we'll come right back. Don't go away. Rich Zioli from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. On Talk Radio 1210 and the free Odyssey app. got some great names for the movie thank you 855-839-1210 appreciate you being here today um patrick says uh, the movie should be titled president games i like that like hunger games president games patrick bain thank you eric the red says this afternoon's show is going to cost me hours of re-education about american history for my grandchildren Thanks, guys. <laughs> EJ Stokes. Maddow said if Trump loses in 2028, he may just decide to stay on as president. Problem is he can't run in 2028. She's not exactly a mental genius. <laughs> Thank you for picking up on that point. I didn't want to really get into that fact because, yeah, that kind of undermines my movie. So, but thank you for pointing that out. It's a good point. It's a good point. Uh, my car, you stumbled onto a great idea for a video game. Fight your way to the Oval Office to become president. And I like Muggsy Dew's suggestion. New movie, Break In at 1600. What do you think of that? That sounds pretty... That's the type of title that gets nominated for an Academy Award. That's an Academy Award winning title right there. 
Mike Ferran says they could call it the presidential games based on the Hunger Games. I like that. Now, Dr. Nick Denubli asks a great question. Rich, what if they are both in the Lincoln bedroom? Is the one on top in charge? (laughs) He also wants to know, a number of people are asking, uh, would the president, would the former president be protected by D.C. squatter laws? That is true. Yes, you're right. All you got to do is claim that you are a squatter and they can't make you leave the White House, even if you are, in fact, done as president. Did you know that? I I know it now. Yeah, true story. Squatter laws, squatter protection laws. So uh, thank you very much for all the uh, the great ideas. And um, <laughs> Brian Zelensky says, uh, Rich, it's the Bronx Tale bar scene. Now's you, now you can't leave. I love that one. Johnny Cook wanted to know, chaining himself to the bed in the Lincoln bedroom, is that something Dick Morris did? When the- <laughs> I'm like, you know what, Johnny, I'm not going to. That's terrible. <laughs> terrible. Patrick Bain, new, pro- new reality show presidential squatters. And uh, there you go. And yes, of course, obviously, Trump cannot be voted out in 2028 because he can't run for a third term. Well, let's not let little petty constitutional facts get in the way, shall we? Uh, Thank you to our friends at Cherry Hill Vavo for that social media check in. We appreciate it very much. All their great support. Uh, You know, the, um, the fact of the matter is, is that the media is wrong. Trump's immunity appeal is moving along actually at lightning speed. Media pundits, left-leaning legal scholars slammed the Supreme Court yesterday in its decision to take up Trump's presidential immunity case, noting that it could have done so back in December. However, however, other legal experts pointed out that courts have already been departing from normal procedures to accelerate Trump's case, moving at lightning speed. Case Western Reserve, Case Western Reserve University law professor Jonathan Adler said this case has proceeded more rapidly than the average case. While we might like for the underlying issues to be resolved more quickly, it is also important that courts get questions of this gravity correct. While most assume that the court will ultimately deny Trump's immunity claims, this professor argues, how the courts do so is important and is worth getting right. Now, I disagree with the law professor. I think the court is absolutely going to say that presidents do have immunity from criminal prosecution. And that's the one thing that I do agree with Maddow on. I think she's correct in her assessment that the courts can ultimately say Trump does have immunity because presidents need to have immunity from the criminal justice system. And you can't you can't carve out and pick and choose because otherwise you're going to get into a mess. It's the analogy I've been giving you all along with Barack Obama and the drone strikes. You know, whether or not you thought at the time that ordering the death of Anwar al-Awlaki because he was a suspected terrorist on foreign soil was a good thing or not, all it takes is a U.S. attorney or the attorney general to argue that it was murder and Barack Obama had no legal constitutional authority to kill him without due process and charge Obama with murder, which has no statute of limitations. Now, it's insane, and I wouldn't want that to happen, but it could happen if presidents could be charged criminally for their actions in office. And don't get into the game with me. Oh, it's different. You can't compare to January 6th, blah, blah, blah. No, it's very easy to compare it. I'm a United States attorney general or I'm I'm a U.S. attorney, say, for the district of whatever, D.C. and um, Republican president. And I want to make a name for myself. And I bring charges against Barack Obama for murdering Anwar al-Awlaki, whose real name was I forget. That was his chosen terrorist name. And I'll go on about how he was never proven by a court to be a terrorist. He never had a trial in absentia. Fifth Amendment is very clear. You cannot take away life, liberty, or property without due process, and therefore we're charging him with murder. 
And um, since the crime happened in D.C., it's my jurisdiction. And now the FBI goes and arrests former President Barack Obama, drags him into court, enters a plea of not guilty, and then has to have a trial arguing that his actions were covered by the War Powers Terror Act or whatever the hell it was we gave the president after 9-11, and they'll have to have legal briefs and arguments and on and on it'll go. And But why not? I'll make a name for myself. I mean, win or lose, I'll put myself on the map. That's for damn sure. And then maybe I'll run for Senate. Maybe I'll run for president myself. It's a ludicrous idea, but hell, why not? Or if there's an American citizen who was held, say, on suspicion of terrorism and turns around and charges the president, I charge the president as the attorney general with um, kidnapping, false arrest, on and on. And I arrest the former president on these charges. I know I'm not going to get a conviction, but who cares? I get to march the former president in, get a mugshot, get my moment, have a big press conference outside the federal courthouse in D.C. Talk about how we cannot have a country where the president can kidnap an American citizen and hold them against their will. That is un-American. That is not how we do things in this country. And I am charging the former president with kidnapping, false arrest, blah, 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 blah. All it'll do is just help elevate my political stature. I don't really care. The conviction's not the point. It's the process. The process is the punishment, not the actual punishment. And Judge, uh, Judge Tanya, Tanya Chutkin denied Trump's initial request to dismiss his case based on presidential immunity. And now, since the Supreme Court has granted cert in the case and will take it up, under regular procedure, the Supreme Court likely would not even issue a decision until early 2026 wrote one expert. He argued that the case has been expedited by nearly two years total in the courts. Want to know what regular order looks like? Well, Judge Chukin took six months to rule on the motion to dismiss and rules on it the last week of March 2024. The D.C. Circuit appeal takes a year and it was decided in March of 2025. It would be decided in 2025 if that would be the case. Throw on another month for the en banc denial. And basically, you would have a situation where this would end up taking years. So all of this is being expedited. Obviously, they're trying at lightning pace to expedite it. Harvard University law professor Noah Feldman made a similar point in a Bloomberg column on Thursday, stating it is not an outrage if the Supreme Court ends up taking four or five months to decide. It would be better, of course, if the court would rule expeditiously, but it's not the court's responsibility to speed up Trump's trial so that it can happen before the election. The timing was set by the Biden administration's decision not to appoint Jack Smith until long after January 6th. So the court process moves slow and deliberate for a reason. And that's how that goes. But nevertheless, I mean, the panic that is ensuing, of course, is just absolutely ridiculous. And it's uh, the reason why we get to have a lot of fun in this. But it's also important to note something, too, and that is that The hysteria, and I'll get into this in the six o'clock hour, that is being espoused on the left is actually just pure enjoyment. Like what Whoopi Goldberg suggests Biden could do if Trump wins his immunity case. It's kind of like when Jamie Raskin suggested that if a president was getting impeached. In fact, Matt, can you pull up that cut for me for the next hour? It's my favorite Raskin ever. If a president is getting impeached, couldn't he just assassinate senators who are going to vote? For his impeachment, his removal in the Senate. 
And I like that idea. And I actually want to expound on that in the six o'clock hour. I think Raskin's right. I never thought I'd say that before, but I think Jamie Raskin's onto something. I think he's right. I think the president should do more assassinations, not less. And I would actually start off my State of the Union address by killing the Speaker of the House. I would. I would take a knife and stab him right in the heart, right behind me, and turn around and say, impeach that, yo, and then drop the knife and just walk out of the room. That's what I would do. See, I'm a, I'm a baller. I don't mess around here. You know, you, 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 we're going to recreate that scene in The Untouchables. Remember the scene where Al Capone takes the bat and beats that guy's head in at the table? That's what I would do to my own vice president right there at the table. Be like, ha, impeach that. What are you going to do? Huh? You don't even have anyone to take over for me now. Try it. Let's bring this. Let's do this. You got to send a message. And the message is clear. Day one, first State of the Union address, murder half of the room. Kill him. Just kill him like right then and there. And then you literally can never be impeached. So, boom. You got this. All right? We'll expound on that for you in the fourth and final hour. You're going to learn a lot today in the show about how the government and the Constitution really works. There's a hidden clause in the Constitution that enables the president to kill anyone he likes uh, for the purposes of getting out of impeachment. It's in Article 1, Section, Subsection 13. 15.7, I believe. I'll double check that on the break, all right? In the meantime, though, I want you to reach out to my friends at Natural Lawn of America because, well, spring is just about here. And before you know it, you're going to have that beautiful, wonderful, lush, thick green lawn that's going to be the envy of the neighborhood. When choosing a lawn care service, doesn't it make sense to hire a company that provides better results and is safer for your family and pets? That's why I chose Natural Lawn of America. That's my lawn care company. Natural Lawn's environmentally friendly approach to lawn care has been creating green lawns quickly, more naturally, and with fewer weeds since 1987. Unlike other one-size-fits-all companies, their technicians will work to determine the specific needs of your lawn. Natural Lawn's exclusive organic-based products are designed to work with nature, not against it, which means they are safer for every member of your family, even your pets. Kick the chemical lawn habit and get started today with Natural Lawn's safer products and programs. Take advantage of their limited time offer, free seating every year. Schedule Natural Lawn's full-service program and get free seating every year. Call 1-800-FREE-SEED. That's 1-800-FREE-SEED. Choose my lawn care company, Natural Lawn of America. Greener grass, fewer weeds, guaranteed. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.